This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Morning Beat. It is Tuesday. AJ Gibson is out, but we have got my Capricorn sister. Char says so. Boston Round, you were here yesterday. I was. Taking over. Thank you so much, Queen. Yes, of course. Anytime you need me, I'm here. I know. You're so great like that. Thank you. Good uh, you morning. look beautiful. You always Thank look you. so glam in the morning. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. You, you know, do. I just, you know, I gotta, I have to. Otherwise, I'm not going to succeed. I hear that. Like, I have <laughs> I have to. There's a certain ritual I have to do in the mornings to make this work. So. I love it. I love yeah. it. You have your um, oils, which always make me so yes. happy. I feel like it clears the room. Yes. What and I is do, it? I do my jade roller, <gasps> and I do my. Um, I listen to podcasts. Like it's 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 a particular oh, routine when awake. I'm doing. Yes, when I'm doing this show, I have to be. I love it. I have to be. Well, you're in better condition than I am. I wasn't feeling well yesterday. Of course, I think something's going around. Do you know that since I've been a little girl, and I don't know if anyone shares this, I get sick around Christmas every single year. Really? And it's really the only time I get sick, but I feel like it's like my body knows we're about to go into a birthday, and she's like, let's just have a relax. I'm turning 35. <laughs> We You're are turning, turning 35. 35. Yes. I'm two weeks older than Michaela, you all. <laughs> just just by like two weeks. Just two weeks. Well, we're having that conversation and I'm excited. What you need to know about turning 35. We're in our mid 30s. A lot of people could say, well, that's really young. Or, oh my gosh, that's what. When I thought about 35, I was like, oh my God, that's old. And yeah. now I'm like, oh, oh, oh. You're only as old as you feel. Yeah. You know, it is true. I like that. Yeah, I it, like it that. really is true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about a lot of great stuff this hour. This will be an interesting conversation. Do you have to be nice to a homophobe if they're part of your family? Mm. You know, we're going to have opinions on this. Oh, yes. We beat our strong own drum. Opinions. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're also talking about what it means to turn 35. And then this is really interesting. Uh, this particular celebrity, if you could call him that, was booed off stage in a Dave Chappelle show. But while people are dragging him, they're still using his products. And I think that's a problem. So I want to have that conversation and what's popping. You'll take care of that. And then this is so exciting. Uh, Mayor Karen Bass declares a state of emergency over homelessness crisis. It's the first thing she put into order. And I'm so grateful. You know, I was driving to work this morning and it's just so sad it it never yeah. ends i mean it never fails in the morning 
And I, and I must say, I'm glad that this is something that she's doing. You know, yeah. I was one of the journalists that moderated the KNX debate between Karen Bass and Rick Caruso back wow. in October. And we definitely touched on on homelessness and she, the fact that she just jumped straight in there and is and is making strides to get things done and hopefully resolve this is very uh, admirable. Well, and you know, it's so sad. I read this article that said a lot of people are not homeless because they're on drugs or they're like doing something. Yeah. They literally were paycheck to paycheck and with the inflation and with the pandemic they simply just couldn't survive they're well, just yeah, there, there are certain statistics that that show and support that most americans are one paycheck away from from poverty like being yeah. on, on the street like a lot of us if if we were out of a paycheck for as much as one pay period it would drastically affect our our quality of life yeah yeah so we'll have that conversation for now let's get quickly into a little bit of news on the beat survivors of last month's mass shooting at an lgbtq nightclub in color Colorado Springs and a survivor of the 2016 massacre at Pulse nightclub in Orlando are set to testify before the House Oversight Committee this Wednesday. The hearing is slated to address the escalating violence and threats against LGBTQ people, which led to the Club Q violence and other acts of violence and threats across the country. U.S. Representative Carolyn Maloney, who chairs the committee, told NBC, make no mistake, the rise in anti-LGBTQ extremism and the despicable policies that Republicans at every level of government are advancing to attack the health and safety of LGBTQIA plus people are harming the LGBTQIA plus community and contributing to tragedies like what we saw at Club Q. Mm. You want to give us a little vibe of the day? Yes, I can give you the vibe of the day. Today is from one of my favorite authors, Alice Walker. And I want you to take this with you, Michaela, as you go throughout your week. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Yes! You gotta sit with that. I want everyone to sit with that. Sit with it! (laughs) Now, we've had a lot of weddings this year, including AJ and Emil, my co-host, who's out this week, but we've got the beautiful Shard Chazelle joining us. Oh, yes. But we've also had funerals. My grandmother passed away. My cousin. Your cousin. Mm -hmm. So these can always be really emotional times whether happy or sad but they can also bring up other issues that sometimes aren't talked about yes like if you've got homophobic family members and having to face them or in my case transphobic or transphobic yes so this reader submitted this story and he said six years ago my wife's cousin called her to decline our wedding invitation because he's a pastor and it wouldn't be a good look if his congregation knew he was attending a gay wedding. This is actually a lesbian wedding. I'm sorry, I know, I said he. I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, yes. So they were like, okay, didn't Mm -hmm. love that response, but it is what it is. Now, the very loving grandmother of this family Mm -hmm. has passed away so they'll have a funeral funeral for her in the next coming weeks Mm -hmm. and the mother-in-law to this reader's wife is saying you know don't make it an issue a lot of people can decline for a lot of different readings uh, uh, can decline invitations to different weddings for whatever reason they choose just play nice you know like sweep it under the rug yes and one of the additional hurdles that I just read is that this this reader well this this person seeking the advice asks like should I allow my four year old to play with the homophobes young children knowing that you know he teaches them to hate right what if he tries to say hi like everything's normal like there's a lot of different components to this yeah so for me I think it's interesting I've 
never been one to subscribe to being nice to somebody just because they're your family. Mm-hmm. I feel like people in my family have been much more toxic than strangers on the street. And I really don't have time for that. When my grandmother died, I was obviously very cordial for my grandmother's sake. I mean, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Start a fight in the church? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Um, But, you know, I feel like there's a way to handle it while, like you said in your vibe of the day earlier, keeping your power. Yes. Not giving it away. Yes. But staying cordial. So, yes, and I totally agree with you, Michaela. I do not believe that because we're family, I'm obligated to be nice to you. I believe in order to uh, get my respect, you have to give me respect. Mm -hmm. And uh, just from personal experience, I have one aunt. So my entire family, my entire family accepts accepts me and acknowledges me. And it's no big deal. I mean, I sh- I've been Char for well over a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm no infant in this journey. Mm-hmm. But I have one aunt that goes out of her way to misgender me. And I decided, <gasps> yes, and, I de- and it's in such a passive-aggressive way wow. that I've been emotionally gaslit from my family. Like, oh, well, she didn't mean it. And she just da-da-da. And what I find most annoying about about it is prior to transition there was never any mention of my gender and post transition there's always like and I won't say some of the things that she says because it's not cruel she does it in a way where she can get away with oh I'm sorry which is the worst kind oh, of people I'm sorry. yeah it's so passive. you're playing with me you're yes. playing with me and so I I have made her cry in true Capricorn fashion I, I won't say what I said uh, but she has you know a checkered past and checkered history that I'm I'm well aware of. But I say that to say I have determined that when I go home for Christmas next week, I am not speaking to her. And it's in a it's a it's a rough place to be in and I came to this conclusion because I called to wish her a happy birthday. She her birthday was last month and my mother was out to lunch with her and I FaceTime to wish her a happy birthday and she did it again. Wow. And I said I cannot do this. Now mind yeah, you, you gotta protect yourself. It's a little complicated because her daughter who is my cousin passed away a few months ago. So there's there is there's a oh lot of components God. of like empathy and showing up for people, but at the same in the same breath, from for showing up for myself, it would be unkind, unloving right. and 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 a dishonor to myself to not show up for myself. Right. I'm emotionally vulnerable and raw just like everyone else, and well, I don't want to participate in that. And I understand this and that's devastating. I'm sorry for her loss and I'm sorry yeah. for the loss of your cousin. Thank you. I will say though at the end of the day, you still have to protect yourself, stand up for yourself. And if nobody's going to do it for you, which people don't, they're trying to protect themselves. You have to make sure that you put your foot down. I believe that deeply. I won't be going home for the holidays this year simply because I don't feel like it. I love Christmas and I want to have a good time. I want to be around people that I enjoy. And I think that's just the conversation. Like, that's it. Period. Period. I didn't even put up a tree this year. And I'm not in a Scroogey mood. I, too, love Christmas. But the way time is moving, Michaela, it seems like as soon as you put one up, it's going to be time to take it down. But uh, back to this topic really quickly. You do not. I think we both agree it's safe to say that you don't have to be kind to people who are disrespecting you. You know what? Don't be kind. Period. I know that's right. <laughs> okay, now one thing I love about doing a show with Char is that we are both Capricorn queens. Oh, we yes. know the show is going to be just fine no matter what happens because that's how Capricorns get things done. We are the goat of the astrology. 
So I you like can to count say, on us. I like to say that we are also the alpha and the omega of Amen. the calendar. Because you cannot end a year or begin a year without a Capricorn. Thank you. Say less. <laughs> uh, and we're celebrating our birthday. You're two weeks. I'm like literally a month to the day almost. Tomorrow will be a, a, a month till it's my birthday. I just thought about because today's December 13th. Mm-hmm. That means... Beyonce's album self-titled dropped a few years ago. Remember when she surprised us? Oh, the yeah. The first time she surprised us. Yes. And isn't today Taylor Swift's birthday? Is it? Is she a Sagittarius? I, she uh, has yeah, Sag energy. Yes, she is a Sagittarius. She She's Sag- so chaotic. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but back to us, the Capricorns that us. matter. This article is amazing because we're both turning 35. Yes. And it's an interesting age. I feel so much younger than 35, but... I also look forward to 35. Mm -hmm. Um, And according to this article, it is one of the best ages to be because you really fall into like this confident pocket. It's 12 years after a lot of post-grad experiences. Mm -hmm. You've done a lot of the things that you wanted to do, made the mistakes, blah, blah, blah. And then you're kind of going into this really calm era of liking yourself, Mm -hmm. according to this article. And I feel that. Yeah, I feel my first few years of my 30s have been baptism by fire. I've experienced so much within a short period of time. Where entering 30, I kind of figured that I had already had most of my experiences. And and then moving forward in life, it would just be a matter of revisiting certain things, you know, or, oh, I've, you know, I've lived this before. I survived this. But 30s, my first few years introduced me to a whole new set of circumstances. Uh And so what I'm most excited about is, you know, this is the second year of the mid-30s, which means we have one more year after this before Mm -hmm. we enter the late 30s. And I mean, when I look at black women, celebrity black women in particular, and I only say celebrity because we work in the entertainment industry, they give me hope. Tracy Ellis Ross turned 50 this year. Gabrielle Union turned 50 this year. They look incredible. Laverne Cox turned 50 this year. And so when I put that into like perspective it's like you really are as on, only as old as you feel and i believe that if you take care of yourself and you keep moisturizing and jade rolling and running on the treadmill and doing what you got to do then age really won't matter i think so too and i think that also in this article uh, it talks about a lot of people um getting sober or taking on mm-hmm. really new healthy habits mm-hmm. you're out of your 20s and you're kind of ready to have a life, whatever that looks like. You're ready to uh, put down your roots, maybe purchase a home, maybe do those things. At least for me, like I feel like my 20s was all about enjoying my 20s, having fun, working hard, but also making a ton of mistakes, very insecure. And it's now, also yeah, and it's also a time to take stock. I do this every year and I feel like it's a double whammy. I don't know if you feel the same, but I say it's a double whammy because it's like, oh, the year is ending, so I think it's part of American culture just in general to kind of re- be reflective and take, you know, mm. take stock on your year. But then also with having a birthday so close to the end of the, the end of the year and beginning of the yeah, year, yeah. it's like a double whammy. Yeah. And so I've been really like being very reflective and so proud of myself, giving myself a lot of credit, which mm-hmm. is something I normally do not do. Mm-hmm. But there's been I recognize the growth. Like I feel like my growth is tangible. Things that used to upset me don't nearly 
uh, upset me as much as they used to. Yes. I've been doing really well with managing my own emotions, which is also a sign of maturity. Love. You know, Love. with no, without the assistance of outside things. I don't yeah. need a drink at the end of the night. I don't need to take in, you know, pop an edible or whatever. Like right. I've been help, managing my emotions in healthy ways. And there are things that I can literally think back to like a year ago today and be and and, and that's where I see the growth. Well, and I think that's really important to do. I came across something it was a photo of where i was at exactly at this time last year and it i feel like it was a completely different person like i feel like sometimes go back and look at where you were exactly a year ago because you forget like you're like oh time goes by so fast Mm -hmm. and then you kind of look through your photos and you're like oh my god look at all the things i did this year Mm -hmm. like i did a lot of things that i'm really proud of and now i have a new goal list i mean making an album was probably my highlight of my year. I didn't want did to do it. You I did love that. you so much. But I'm saying like <laughs> you have to, like you said, I think a lot of people don't pat themselves on the back enough mm-hmm. and we're just constantly looking for the next thing. But also you have to be fiercely committed to doing the work. I yeah. am fiercely Fierce. committed, almost mm-hmm. like neurotic. to doing the work. I want to be self-aware. I want to be accountable. I do not want to be lost in the sauce. I do not desire any sort of, 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 uh, I guess, ignorance when it comes Uh to, to how I show up and Uh how I take up space. So I've been fiercely committed to that because I want to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward in every aspect. I love that. And so, yeah. And I love how you just mentioned like how you reflected on the year because you and I both have done a lot in our lifetimes. So that's what also makes me optimistic. Yes. We're about to be 35, but it's not like we're sitting around wasting time, Grab you know, I. picking lint out of our toes. Like no. we have been working. We've been working. <laughs> All right. This is going to be so much fun. Our pop culture queen, Char Jazelle, <laughs> is going to be giving us a little what's popping. And this time it has to do with Elon Musk and Dave Chappelle. What happened? Or as I like to call him, Musky. I don't call Muskie. him Elon Musk. He's Musky. <laughs> well, you know, this clip just surfaced yesterday, of course, which was Monday. Elon Musk joined Dave Chappelle on stage Sunday night in San Francisco, which is home of Twitter's headquarters, funnily enough. Um, where he was presented as the world's richest person, the world give it up for the world's richest man, and uh, it, things didn't go so well. Take a listen to the clip. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for the richest man in the world. <laughs> Cheers and booze, I see. So what I find interesting about this is, um, for one, Dave Chappelle insulted his own audience by saying the people that were booing had like the cheap seats and yeah, weren't he prepared. He called them broke. He called you all broke. Second of all, it's there's something to be said about Elon. The thing is, they probably thought that there would be a, a marriage of fan bases. Like if you like Chappelle's comedy, then you're probably a fan of Elon Musk, which is very telling. Given all that Maybe, Chappelle gives yeah. up, but I'm I'm pretty sure that 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 went into this decision to have Elon Musk on stage, and he gagged. He was not prepared for that. He said it was booze. the first time in his life that ever happened. But I will blah, say blah, blah. that look, he's in San Francisco. The last tweet he made before stepping on stage was, "My pronouns are prosecute Fauci," and. You're in San Francisco. It's so liberal. You know they're not going to like that. Well, if, it and, were that, if it were that liberal, they wouldn't be at Chappelle's uh, 
what's his face? If they were mad about Elon's pronoun tweet, then they wouldn't have been at Chappelle's comedy show. Yeah, but as you know, people, and very unfortunately, let things go. They choose to forget things, and they show up still. And I think that, because look, it was the point I was going to make yesterday. I follow this girl. She's she's totally left, lesbian. I actually adore her. Um, But she reposted my pronouns are prosecute pouching. She's like, this is disgusting. I swear to God, the next post was her and her Tesla being like, oh my gosh, look at my Tesla. So, babe, like at what point, like that's what our American people are. Okay, like that's what's happening. And with respect to your point, what Elon Musk tweeted was literally G-rated compared to the slew of things that Dave Chappelle has said. So there has to be some sort of cognitive dissonance there for people to be so self-righteous enough to boo this man when you paid money to go see Dave Chappelle perform, knowing that there's a risk that he's going to get up there and be transphobic. And according to Twitter, Dave Chappelle opened his comedy set by making a pronoun joke. Well, and unfortunately, QAnon is circulating Twitter again. And with that, a lot of transphobia, homophobia... Anti-Semitism, racism is all like coming back again. Mm -hmm. And as we know how dangerous that is, and he's also not putting a stop to it. So look, I I think that it was, he deserved to be booed, but also as like the people of America, you can't pick and choose. If you don't eat like Elon, you can get uh, an energy ran Toyota. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't need a Tesla. What what I found funny is during the fallout from this, Elon's ego, his little ego can handle Mm -hmm. it. He took to Twitter and said, he claimed that it was 90% cheers and only 10% booze. Let me tell you, Elon, my ears hurt otherwise. He also, in a sense, well, a now deleted tweet claims that as he took the stage, a fight broke out and that's what the booze were about. he had to delete that because he knew it was a lie. It's unfounded. (laughs) People do not like you, Elon Musk. You are making people, even Dave Chappelle's fans, don't like you. Uh How how do you like those apples? Mm -hmm. How do you go to sleep at night knowing that someone as terrible as Dave Chappelle and his constituency, because you all are a reflection, you all keep bolstering this man up and buying tickets to see him. You can be mad at me if you want. These people don't even like you. Uh Uh So you're the richest man, but also... The most hated. Under Trump, I guess, or Kanye. There's a hierarchy. Oh, yeah, they're buddies. You know, the GOP House Judiciary tweeted, Kanye, Trump, Musk. Those are the three most hated. The three musketeers. (laughs) The three musketeers. Yes. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Now, A.J. Gibson is out this week, but I am here with my queen, Char Jossel, who held it down yesterday with Ryan Basham, but I'm so happy to be back. And we're talking this morning. I appreciate good TV so much. Mm-hmm. I really do. You wouldn't think I do with how many seasons and years I'm behind on everything. Yeah. But I was just saying, <laughs> I just started Orange is the New Black. Yes. I'm only in episode three. Wow. Yeah. That's good. It's a really, really good show. I loved Orange. And, and the theme song, Orange is the New Black is one of those Netflix shows that I never hit skip intro on because I okay. love the theme song so much. Okay. That, the animal, the animal. Like, I love that theme song. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. I, I feel like, I don't know why, I just get so behind. So I've been really trying to like watch shows that I enjoy. Okay, but baby, you about a decade behind. I know it. I listen, I know. <laughs> You're about a little bit behind. <laughs> Orange is the New Black has come and gone. <laughs> It premiered like in 2014. You're like almost Listen, a decade what behind. What happened, Michaela. Mama? What's next on your list? Cheers. Yeah. Desperate Housewives. I What's... actually never saw Desperate Housewives. <gasps> Michaela, You're having a meltdown. That is the best TV show. Oh my gosh! Is it incredible? You're about to make me upset. You've never How seen many Desperate Housewives. How Desperate Housewives are there? I think it's maybe seven or eight. If oh, I'm Lord. not mistaken. But Desperate Housewives, you need to watch that. You can watch that simultaneously with Orange Is the New Black. Desperate Housewives, you'll love. Okay. Oh my God, I'm probably about to re- rewatch it now. That we're no, I'm so about. happy that you're telling me because so I really good. do enjoy it. I'm just stuck behind trying to change the world, Char. <laughs> now, speaking of changing the world, uh, we are talking this hour about Mayor Karen Bass, who's declaring a state of emergency over homelessness, and I love to see it. It's so important. Yeah. And she's already coming in, guns a-blazing. So proud of her. I'm ready. Let's go. Listen, black women do the work, okay? Amen. Did you see, of course you did, Trevor Noah and that beautiful Yes, I did. Trivia. How'd that make you feel as a strong I, you black You know what? Woman? I, I loved that, and I love that he shouted out particularly uh, Tracy McMillan Cotton, who is a, a professor. I was on her podcast twice. She used to host a podcast with Roxanne Gay titled Here to Slay. And so, and then Tarana Burke, he named off some greats. And, yeah. and I love Trevor Noah. I would like to date him once Dula Peep is done. Do if not they're still Dula together. <laughs> if they're still together. I love Trevor Noah. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, all right, for now, let's get into a little bit of news on the beat. So much to cover. The Nobel uh, laureates accepting their prizes at the ceremony in Stockholm this weekend included two LGBTQ plus winners. Carolyn Bertozzi, a lesbian who's a chemistry professor at Stanford University in California. Their prize was for the development of click chemistry. Uh, the Nobel organization announced now, geneticist Svante, a bisexual Swedish man now working in Germany, received the prize in physiology or medicine for his discoveries concerning the genomes of extinct hormones and human evolution. There are fewer than a dozen LGBTQ plus Nobel laureates, GCN reports. 
All right, another news. A second journalist dies at Qatar World Cup days yes. after U.S. sports writer unexpectedly passed away. The journalist, right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I heard about that. Yeah, El Cass, TV photojournalist, died suddenly while covering the World Cup, said the Gulf Times. The outlet tweeted, uh, Al... Mislam, a Qatari, died suddenly while covering the FIFA World Cup. The Daily Mail reported that Alcast TV, where Al Mislam worked, briefly mentioned his death during a live broadcast and said it was waiting on further details. Grant Wall, a U.S. sports writer who mm-hmm. wore a rainbow shirt while in Qatar to support his brother Eric, who is gay, passed suddenly on Friday following the Argentina-Netherlands match. A day prior, Wall had mentioned during an episode of his podcast that he had visited a medical clinic and was told he may have had bronchitis. I should mention that as of this morning, I believe Grant Wall's body is now back in the U- United States. His body wow. and his possessions and his brother, who you just mentioned, and Grant Wall's wife are going to take the body, I guess, to get the official... Autopsy. Yeah, there's something fishy to me about it. I don't like yeah. to go all conspiracy on everybody, but mm, he gets uh, arrested mm-hmm. for wearing an LGBTQ shirt and then all of a sudden dies after going to a hospital with bronchitis. Mm-hmm. Okay, girl. Okay. I see you. All right, let's do one more story. President Joe Biden will sign legislation protecting same-sex and interracial marriage this afternoon. Biden is hosting a celebration starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on the White House South Lawn with lawmakers and cabinet members as the Respect for Marriage Act becomes law. The historic marriage bill passed with bipartisan support in both chambers of Congress after months of negotiation, particularly over provisions related to religion. The Respect for Marriage Act doesn't include Obergefell's national requirement, but will mandate that individual states recognize same-sex and interracial marriages that were lawfully performed in another state. All right, now uh, let's get into a little bit of weather. 42 in D.C., 40 in Chicago, 79 in Miami, 42 in Seattle, 56 in L.A., and 61 in Cathedral City. Now, Shar, before you give us a vibe of the day, I want to let you in on some very fun news, honey. You can experience an unforgettably fun night of thrilling 360-degree entertainment featuring some of the world's sexiest, most talented, Mm. temperature-raising acts from a thrilling range of (laughs) acrobatic and musical talent, Magic Mike, live at Sahara Las Vegas. Tickets are on sale now at Magic Mike. Live LasVegas.com or head on over to WeirdChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Now it's a round trip airfare for two. Two nights stay at Sahara Las Vegas, two premium tickets to Magic Mike Live and a Magic Pass package. Meet and greet with the cast and dinner at Bizarre Meet. Now you know this is my hometown. I know everything. I actually met Lisa at the Sahara Hotel. Really? When they opened up the club, she was the DJ and I was the band that was performing live and that's how we met. So it's a good hotel, good vibes, Bizarre Meet is delicious. Well, since that's your hometown, can you hook me up with some tickets to this show? I hear it's like Cirque du Soleil. You no, know, it's so good. They men. do like this rain dance. Like it's raining and they're dancing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. All right, give us a vibe of the day. Vibe of the day goes to one of my favorite authors. Have you ever seen The Color Purple, by the way? Yes. Yes. Alice course. Walker, The Color Purple. Because you know that there's a there's a, a storyline that toes the line of queerness in there between Suge Avery and, and, and Seeley. But nevertheless, Alice Walker says... The most common way people give up their power is by thinking that they don't have any. I love that. I yeah. love it. Yeah. You You're do powerful. have power. Keep it. <laughs> All right. Coming up, who's very powerful is Mayor Karen Bass as she's declaring a state of emergency over homelessness. And we've got Raphael Sonnenschein, executive director of the Pat Brown Institute for Public Affairs at California State University, joining us on what we can expect coming up in seven minutes. I am a- 
Exciting stuff. Mayor Karen Bass was elected over Rick Caruso, which we were all so pleased about. And she's already getting right into action by declaring a state of emergency over the homelessness crisis. Let's take a listen to what she had to say, and then let's bring on our guest. Day one, as I said yesterday and as I said throughout the campaign, on day one, I would declare a state of emergency. It shows the people of Los Angeles that we are united and serious about the city's crisis of homelessness. All right, this is very exciting. And joining us is the executive director of the Pat Brown Institute for Public Affairs at California State University, Ralph Sunshine. What can we expect now that Mayor Karen Bass is making this her number one priority for the city of Los Angeles? Well, I think we're going to see a very engaged mayor who's really leading a reset over this incredibly frustrating challenge in Los Angeles that has everybody kind of feeling really demoralized about it. I think you're going to see a lot of funding flowing to organizations that have been working in homelessness. I think you're going to see hotels and motels that would have been unused uh, or going out of business of helping the unhoused are going to be put back on the on the situation. I think you're going to see the city council, which has its own issues right now, pulling together behind the mayor. And also you're going to see the county of L.A., who who really haven't, the city and county haven't been working together very well. I think you're going to see them putting their oar in the water as well, because once the city's together, I think other forces will come to their aid. Well, that's that is optimistic for sure, because there is a lot going on in this city right now when it comes to uh, intercity politics. I'm interested in knowing as far as like cleaning up the streets and, and declaring the state of emergency. How long will something like this take in order to, I guess, make it not a state of emergency where we can really help people who don't have homes? Well, it's a great question. Fortunately, the city charter and the uh, administrative code requires the mayor to report every 30 days to get an extension of this. So in other words, we're going to know as we go. She said this morning that she expects the state of emergency to last at least six months, but subject to renewal. I'd be surprised if it didn't go quite a bit longer. You know, we're still in the state of emergency from the COVID crisis uh, that has been in effect for more than two years in the city. So somewhere between six months and, and longer. I think until the city turns a corner and really has a sustainable plan that I think the mayor is working on very effectively, I think this is going to stay in effect for a while. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Executive Director of the Pat Brown Institute, Ralph Sunshine. Now, one question I have for you that you mentioned is that hotels and motels may be expected to step up. One thing that I saw in an interview is that these hotel and motel owners aren't necessarily opposed to the idea. Obviously, they want to help with the crisis. Their concern is that sometimes when it comes to our unhoused community, there's different mental illnesses that sometimes leave these hotel and motel owners with rooms that have been not treated so well uh, or have been uh, needing that the carpets have to be ripped up, different things. Will these hotels and motels have any financial benefit when it comes to keeping the state of the hotels and motels in clean condition to continue housing the unhomed? Well, that's a great question. And one of the things the mayor now has is much greater flexibility in the financial front. Uh, she can direct funds now in the in, to get things that need to get done. She can bring in the nonprofit organizations who, by the way, were at her emergency center 
when this was announced, which is a really important signal because these have been the people in the street who have been providing help to those people who are unhoused. In addition, all the departments of the city are now being called upon by the mayor on an emergency basis, and a lot of the work that could help uh, for the hotels and motels could be done by those departments. This is a city government that works well when it's unified in a single direction. And a lot of things that have seemed insolvable, unresolvable, uh, can be addressed now, just like the things you're raising. Yeah, I know her own, um, Karen Bass's own nonprofit community coalition already kind of has their feet on the ground as far as helping with this. Now, there's been discussion about, I guess, essentially, and I'm using air quotes when I say this, a blank check that the mayor can use that can kind of, I guess, just end this, you know, as a whole, as a, as a concept. Do we know anything about that, any validity to it, or how something like that would work? I'm not sure what you're hearing about a blank check. Nobody ever has a blank check uh, in, in government, certainly not in, in city government. But the flexibility of funding is going to make a very big difference. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with my colleagues in the nonprofit community who have been frustrated about their partnership with government. And this is going to be a whole new day, partly because Karen Bass started out as a community organizer. She knows the the nonprofit and community activist sector very well. She knows how difficult it is, and she's going to have their back, and I think they're going to be supportive of her. But there are no blank checks. And by the way, an emergency declaration is not a magic wand. Mm -hmm. This is a very entrenched crisis, but it is a necessary and dramatic step to show that this is a new day, it's a reset, and the notion that this is just going to be a chronic issue that everybody has to accept, uh, it's just not going to be accepted anymore. Before we before we get out of here, I want to clarify the blank check I was referring to. I don't think it passed. It was uh, ULA, the one billion dollar blank check for the homeless industrial complex. I guess that was on the ballot for oh. the midterms. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it passed with a lot of public support and it may not generate <clears throat> a tremendous amount of money, but it was a real vote of confidence to keep going because there had been a feeling that after, after the public had voted for a lot of measures to fund the homelessness effort, that they were tired of it and weren't going to be there anymore. Well, now I think two things happened. You've got the emergency declaration and a vote, a vote of temporary confidence for mm. the voters. It's by no means a blank check. And there's a lot of cynicism and feeling that they've heard promises before. But I think there's underneath that all is a readiness, as uh, the mayor said, to link arms around a plan that could work. That's going to really open up a lot of positive feelings in this city, and a city that really needs some positive feelings right now. Well, Raf Sunshine, thank you so much for joining us, Executive Director of the Pat Brown Institute for Public Affairs. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk soon. My pleasure. And I want to talk about something, because... Mm-hmm. TikTok is really important for people in our career. I have to use it because, unfortunately, when it comes to casting, they want to know that you've got the right social media numbers. Do I always use it? No. Because does it annoy me? Yes. Is it a whole other job? Yes, it is. But also, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble on accident sharing too much Mm -hmm. on TikTok And it's going to this story. New York may ban TikTok from government-issued phones over a China spying threat. 
Now, we, I feel like we've been talking about this since TikTok came out. TikTok's actually banned in India completely because of the spy threats. But not only is it out of fear of Chinese espionage, people are literally losing their jobs like nurses. And I want to hear everything you have to say about this because I will say I just saw a nurse the other day that got fired because she was mocking a patient Mm -hmm. who was in a lot of pain. And they were in the background yelling about how much pain they were in. And she was like, oh, yeah, pain management, sort of mocking and making fun of them. And she ended up losing her job. Um, So you really got to be careful what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? So I totally agree with this uh, New York proposed bill, so to speak, because, I mean, listen, TikTok is a powerful tool. It makes me think of, you know, the first headlines that I remember it making during a Trump rally that happened in Oklahoma back in 2020. As a result, remember, Herman Cain contracted COVID and passed away. Remember, all of the TikTok kids band together to get tickets to this Trump rally. And it was, remember, no one was there because they all just were like playing, you know. Um, But specifically with government-issued phones, I understand not having it on there because you just, you never know. You can have it on your personal phone, but not your government-issued phone. Um, As far as people losing their jobs, I've found that fascinating only because it's like, this is information that you've offered. I've seen millennials and Gen Z people get fired, especially in like big tech, you're giving me a, a tour of the Apple. You're giving me a tour of the Google. You, you know, people come with me a day in work, so to speak. And, you know, you can squint and zoom in and see the files and stuff. People have lost their jobs. And most recently, four nurses at Emory, which is a prestigious hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, lost their jobs because they did a TikTok trend titled Maternity X, where oh, they God. basically discussed you know, in the maternity ward. And some of them weren't even that bad, honestly. I watched the video. Some of them were not even that bad. But I guess it went against standards and practices for the hospital, and they lost their jobs. Some of the some of the, the TikToks that some of them contributed to were pretty bad, but some of them were, like, generalized. Well, and so I feel like also, as a patient, you're in a really vulnerable position. I mean, listen, I'm not feeling so well today, and I will say, when I don't feel good, I'm more emotional. Yeah. I feel a little bit more embarrassed. I feel a little bit weak. It's like, Hospitals you know, Hospitals are already primal. uncomfortable. It, it really they is. They smell like orange juice and the elderly. Yeah, so you don't want to be judge because you don't feel good I will say though do I think that they should take TikTok away I'm going to have a different opinion I don't think they should because I think that these people are outing and exposing themselves and I don't think nurses like this who are mocking and making fun of their patients um, should be able to continue keeping their job if you put yourself out there and you look crazy yes, we know that you don't belong taking care of people the only reason why I'm primarily against it is because people are not really using TikTok in their downtime. And unlike you, right. like you have TikTok, you also have a, a significantly larger following than me, despite me being verified and everything. I don't use TikTok because as someone, as a journalist, like I like looking at the videos. I love that TikTok is like a, a Google search engine. You can find anything specific that you're looking for in video form. But for me, editing videos are, is a chore. It's not fun. And maybe it feels like a chore because I'm a journalist professionally and I've had to edit my own stuff for YouTube, like own story. So editing videos will never be, no matter how they package it, that is not fun for me. It takes hours to do. And I, there's something about being maybe in distress at a hospital or being at a firehouse or a police station and seeing someone doing the latest, you know, Drake 
dance challenge on TikTok. I don't want to see it. Yeah. But I agree with you. People are outing themselves and you see just how terrible some of these people yes. are. They're flat out mean girls. These are the people taking care of your parents, your grandparents, mm-hmm. your children. Not mm-hmm. into it. All right. I always love news that involves my sweet Michelle Visage, who I was texting last night. She's like on a roll. Her and Leah Remini together. And big news coming out of the RuPaul Drag Race camp. What is happening, Sean? Wait, are you and Michelle Visage friends? Oh my God, we're so close. She's my fake mom. That makes total sense now that I think about it. Oh yeah, my God. I say she's my mom and Leah's my aunt. Like, I'm, abs- we love each other. Oh my God. And she sent me a photo yesterday of the two of them together. And honestly, the amount of leopard. And yes. beat, I was like... Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed when they were co-hosting the Wendy Williams show together a few times. Do yeah. you feel like they were received well? I think it was hit or miss. And I think that Leah needed Michelle, and it's no shade. Leah could have right. done it solo, because originally she was supposed to do it solo, and she did it one day solo, and then they she called Mich- Michelle up. Got it. <laughs> but they were cute together. They were cute. I'd watch a late a late night show, not a daytime show. I'd watch a late night yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, they were like, <laughs> risque for daytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you mentioned, another day, another curveball. RuPaul's Drag Race, which, as we know, is a show that's become a global phenomenon, is switching things up yet again. Today, this morning in a tweet, the long-running series announced that it will change networks again for their quote-unquote biggest season yet. That's right. It started out on Logo, then went to VH1. Well, it went to MTV, then VH1, and guess what, Michaela? Tell me. It is back on MTV. Okay. I like that for them. Yeah. The new season premieres Friday, January 6th, Insurrection Day. Oh, wow. Let's turn that <laughs> at, narrative around. Okay. <laughs> at 8, 7 Central. I'm excited. And you know what? For those of you who don't know, this will not really change the format of the show. Uh, Viacom, like MTV and VH1 are in the same building with Logo, with CMT. It's all Viacom. So uh-huh. I doubt that it'll change anything, especially because MTV isn't even music television anymore they don't show videos it's just like ridiculousness and reruns of jersey shore and teen mom Mm -hmm. like that's mtv so i'm excited i am too i think it's gonna be great and i think that a lot of things are going to be uh, a little bit different as they're completely expanding we've been watching them over the past couple of seasons expand to different countries do world drag race and listen they tweeted it best i want my mtv this is an mtv generation especially for Michelle and RuPaul. Yeah. And I think it'll be nice for them, kind of nostalgic. Was it, was it RuPaul's original talk show on MTV, like back in the day? I remember RuPaul used to have a show back in like the late 90s when he would host in drag uh-huh. and have like a talk show. I believe it was, was on it MTV? MTV. I feel like it would make sense if it were MTV because they were kind of wild and, and spirited then. And funny, before we get out of here, I'm an LA uh, ambassador for the LA Opera and I went to the mm. opera and I had a full conversation with this, this black guy. I'm talking to this black guy and I'm like, who is this because I don't really watch Drag Race. I pop in periodically. It's not appointment TV for me. Right. And I'm looking at the eyes and I'm like, who? So I finally was like, you know, excuse me, are you someone? Because you have very telling eyes. For those who don't know, I was having a lovely conversation with a man named Kevin, a.k.a. Monet Exchange. Oh, my god! We became best friends. Like, our I humor love. matched and everything. So, yes, shout out to Monet Exchange. I love Monet, Monet Exchange. Monet Exchange is hilarious. Hilarious. We oh had a good time. Oh, my God. Monet Exchange did this incredible um, reveal one time where she, like, jumped up like she was about to fall into a death drop. Yeah. And she didn't. And it was, like, the tease of the season. It was so funny. I love that. Love her. All right, coming up in our next hour parents are mad at American Girl for body positivity but are they just being homophobic we'll talk about it next 
The Morning Beat, Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. We're coming into our 8 o'clock hour, 12 o'clock Pacific time now. AJ Gibson is out this week, but we've got my girl, Sharjazel, joining us. We've had a really great show. As we always do. Far, as we always do. If you've missed anything, you can always go to weirdchannelq.com uh, and listen to our show that turns into a podcast. We have a really great hour for you coming up. Parents are mad at American Girl for body positivity and being transgender. Now, if you're a woman of mine and Char's age, <laughs> you know exactly what American Girl dolls are. Yes, you And you do. know that they were extremely expensive. Yes, they were. And, and are. And still are. But they have a whole like house now at the Grove. And all yes, over the country. Yes, they do. Like, yeah, and they're cute. Like, they have like in. a factory. Like They replaced all... Remember when, when you couldn't escape Build-A-Bear... Now it's American now Girl it's American everywhere. Girl doll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's everywhere. And it's like a whole moment. Like you see the little girls walking around the grove, sometimes little boys, they're like holding the doll that's like a thousand billion dollars with their whole Which wardrobe. Which is so wild to me because growing up you couldn't play with those dolls. Like they were solely for display, at least in my African American household. Like you weren't playing with the American Girl doll. Yeah. You uh-huh. play with any other doll, but American Girl was like, you just had to look there's at her it. story card, her little story, and she's like, she's out of the plastic, out mm. of the wrapping, but it's for display, which is kind of creepy. Ugh. Yeah. Dolls are scary. Dolls are creepy. <laughs> and all I wanted was to hold Samantha and take her everywhere with me. And my mom was like, you can look at her inside the house. No, you Samantha too big. She need a stroller okay. with you. <laughs> Those dolls are huge. Yeah, they are. All right, and then also we're talking about, how do you tell someone... That their pet needs better training. Whoops. Mm. That can get a little complicated, but sometimes you, you need to let them know. Yeah. Uh, for now, let's get into a little bit of news on the beat. Miami Beach Pride has just announced its Celebrity Grand Marshals for 2023. Celebrating the celebration's 15th anniversary, gay actor Jonathan Bennett and husband James Vaughn are slated to lead the Pride Festival and parade April 15th through 16th, Bennett made history as the first gay character on a Hallmark Channel holiday movie. And this year returns to the channel in the holiday sitter. The channel's first Christmas film focused on a gay couple. Vaughn has hosted Celebrity Page and competed on a season of Amazing Race. They will be joined by other Grand Marshals that will be announced in the coming weeks and continue the theme of growing stronger together. Legendary queer entertainers queer entertainer Sandra Bernhard was previously announced as the host of the Miami Beach VIP Beach Affair. The gay icon married Vaughn earlier this year in Mexico. They've been on our show quite a few times. Uh, They're a lovely couple. Really? Yeah. Nice. They're really nice. They really are. All right, another news. Devontae Lewis, a black gay man, has become the first out LGBTQ person elected to a state governmental body in Louisiana and the first black LGBTQ plus person elected to any public office there. Lewis, an advocate for renewable energy, won a runoff election Saturday to become a member of the Louisiana Public Service Commission, the state's utilities, pipelines, telecommunications, and more while also helping to determine the state's energy policies. It has the power to approve or deny rate increases by utility companies and influence whether utilities are powered by gas or renewables, such as solar and wind. Mm. All right, let's get into weather. 39 in New York, 52 in Atlanta, 30 in Denver, 51 in Vegas, 52 in San Francisco, and 60 in Palm Springs. Now, before you give us a vibe, Ms. Shar, I'm going to let you guys know something fabulous happening in my hometown. Experience an unforgettably fun night of thrilling 360-degree entertainment featuring some of the world's sexiest, most talented temperature-raising acts from a thrilling range 
of acrobatic and musical talent at Magic Mike Live at Sahara Las Vegas. Tickets are on sale now at Magic Mike Live Las Vegas.com or head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win a wild weekend getaway to Vegas, baby. Round trip airfare for two, two nights stay at Sahara Las Vegas, two premium tickets to Magic Mike Live. Magic Pass Package, meet and greet with cast and dinner at Bizarre Meets. You're not going to want to miss it. It's so much fun. Trust me, I'm from there. I know. All right, now give us a vibe of the dawn. Vibe of the day is brought to you by Alice Walker, famed author of The Color Purple. The Color Purple. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. It's the yes. perfect Tuesday treat, if you ask me. Just remember, you have full autonomy and full agency. Yes, you do. I love that. Now, if you're anything like Shar and I, you know exactly what the American Girl dolls are. They were sought after and so expensive that you would flip through the magazines um, and get over yourself. However, they did come out with, I don't know if you remember this, when American Girl came out with the dolls that you could make look exactly like you. Yes, you I do remember that. Skin color, eye color, hair color. Uh-huh, hair I texture. Never, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never got one of those. I wanted one so bad. But, That's because they were even more expensive to customize. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it was an opportunity that long ago for little girls to see themselves Mm -hmm. in a doll because we're talking what 20 years ago 25 years ago Mm -hmm. there was still a lot of just white barbies yeah and not a lot of diversity no um and so i appreciated that american girl dolls did that well they're uh branching out yet again However, they're upsetting a lot of American Girl mothers. And the reason might shock you. In in particular. Yeah, conservatives. Because they wrote a book, a positivity book, where it talks about not only body image um, and not not having to subscribe to being skinny or tall, just appreciating who you are, but also appreciating if you are trans yeah and so it does i should mention that this book is titled a smart girl's guide body image book now the smart girl's guides is a series within the american girl i guess industrial complex if you want to call it that and what's it's it's 96 pages and it's marketed to kids that are like around you know 10 years old preteen. but there's there's two particular pages that really have conservatives in an uproar it's page 38 of the book when it was noted Due to a sentence that directs children to other resources in case an adult around them will not support them. The sentence says, if you don't have an adult you trust, there are organizations across the country that can help you. Now, there are references, as you mentioned, to transness. They acknowledge the the existence of the trans masculine uh, person and the trans feminine person because this book is targeted. It's two girls, like the Smart Girls Guide, but you know anyone can read it. Yeah. And so, but it also sheds light on the diversity because... The, the truth of the matter is, kids these days, Gen Z and the, what's the generation alpha after them? It's like gener- Gen Alpha, Generation Alpha or something like that. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, the point I'm trying to make is they're going to have trans classmates, whether you like it or not, whether you're for it or not, mm-hmm. regardless of if you're in a blue or uh, red state. They're going to have trans classmates, much like when we grew up and had openly gay classmates. It's a, it is part of life. It is part of the fabric of this country. And so this book is doing nothing but, you know, showing that it's inclusive. And also, if you don't have a supportive adult, I'm interested in knowing what you feel about that. Because well, you have a niece 
who's, you know, uh, coming of age. Listen, I think she's a big lesbian. She's obsessed with boobs. <laughs> obsessed with them. She puts things in her, her bra. She squeezes mine. I'm like, you're a big lesbian, Natalia. But... Here's how I'll, it's very simple how I'm going to sum it. Okay. If you don't like this book, that's okay. But take a look at Ted Cruz, whose 14-year-old daughter tried to commit suicide because she was outed and is Is that a what part happened down there just last yes. week? Yes, yes. Wow, I did not so know that. it's really that simple. You can either create resources for your children, you can either be open and have these conversations with your children, even if it makes you uncomfortable, or your children can do self-harm. It's really that simple. Un- unfortunately, a lot of people don't appear to mind. I think it's part of the norm, unfortunately, still for people to like kick their gay and trans and queer kids out or disown them. Right, then you them. don't need to have them as children and you're going to lose them. Because... I wish it were that simple because, you know, people don't unconditionally love their children or nor are they open to understanding. Uh, you know, re- organized religion and colonialism has really done a number on us as a as a nation. However, um, if you don't like this book, don't buy it. But also, like, listen <laughs> to me. I was exposed. I had a, I, listen, my childhood was extremely dysfunctional. What it also was, was very diverse. My mother was a lesbian for a better part of my life, so I went to a lot of gay prides. I met gay, bisexual, trans. Like, there was nothing I wasn't aware of. At no point did I ever feel like five, six, seven, eight, that I wanted to be trans because I was exposed to it. Like, I just appreciated that person for who they were, and I appreciated where I was. Like, even when I was in a more tomboy phase, I never was swayed to be trans. Like, it doesn't work like that. That's because, yeah, it's always so interesting that how they frame influence, because if that were the case, then no one would be gay, no one would be trans, because we grew up in a very cisgender, heterosexual society. That's what we see in Disney movies. It's everywhere around us. No one would be gay or trans, in theory. However, um, people also act like there are, like, shortcuts to transness, these kids go through psychological evaluations. You don't just wake up and say you feel one way or this, that, and the other, and then bam, there you are. And I know conservatives oftentimes take that 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 approach as far as like this trans boogeyman and that there are surgeries being conducted on seven-year-olds. And that is just not true. It's fundamentally not true. Yeah. And, you know, even when it comes to gender expression and gender identity, there are feminine boys, there are masculine girls, and that does not mean that there are tran- they are trans. Like I said, it takes someone with some letters behind their name, a, a, a licensed professional yeah. in order to get that ball rolling, particularly for children. Yeah. But I did think that it was interesting because, I mean, I could understand, and I know this might sound left, like left field for me, but I can understand why some parents would be upset about that one line in the book. Like, if you don't have an adult around you that supports yeah, but you, I, but, that's but un- it provides hope. Yeah, but also, it like, that's a parenting hope. issue. That's not a child's issue. Because... I I know that you said I wish it was that simple when it came to Ted Cruz, but it really is that black and white. You either support your child or they're going to harm themselves and then you can deal with those repercussions. And Ted Cruz doesn't appear to care. He's a terrible person. No, but at least because it's publicly known now, there are other people that can reach out to her and say, we see you, we've got you. There are other well, people. Well, that's why I'm saying that line provides hope <sighs> to children. If you happen to be trans, if you happen to be gay, if you happen to be queer and you read that line, 
it's 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 safety. Like, okay, mommy and daddy, you know, things aren't going so great at home, but there are organizations that I can look to. But as a parent who's maybe trying to stop that, you know, p- parents really try to sometimes stop you stepping into the truth of who you know and mm-hmm. understand yourself to be. That's going to upset them because that means you're telling my child to go outside of the house to seek an organization to assist them after I've told them no. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I could understand that aspect of overall I find it to be completely and utterly ridiculous because you're either going to bring your child closer to you or push them further away because at the end of the day people are going to be who exactly who they are yeah whether you like it or not yeah okay so this is interesting Shara do you have or do you want a dog I do not have a dog, but I was raised with two dogs and a cat. I am a pet person. Okay. I just don't own any. Okay, fair. Today, yeah. I have two dogs. I'm obsessed with them. Yes. I love them. I'm a dog person. I'm a cat person. Like, I like yeah. animals. But what would happen if somebody came to you and said, your pet needs to be better trained? Would you get defensive or would you be willing to listen? I think it depends on how they said it. Because uh-huh. most of the times, you know, I can be, when I had my dogs when they were alive, you know, it was it was always a joke. Self-deprecation. Like, I know she needs to get somewhere and sit down. One of my dogs was way more wilder and rambunctious than the other. Yeah. The other one was just greedy, you know, yeah. and just would stand on her hind legs if you had table food. Um I don't think I would take offense to this. Like I said, it, it's it all depending on, on depending on how it is said. Yes. Okay. Well, somebody wrote in. Uh, they are asking for advice to ask Damon. They said, "How do I tell my friends their dog needs better training?" Uh, I'm frustrated by badly behaved dogs, but I don't know what to say. And basically, they're responding with how you said it. it it's important how you say it. And I think that's literally just in life, communication and how Mm -hmm. you have the ability to communicate. Because if someone came to me and they said, listen, I'm obsessed with your dogs, but when I come over, they're a little excited Mm -hmm. and they stress me out, babe. I'd probably feel the type of way because I'm obsessed with my dogs. But if they were like that, I'd be like, oh, okay. This is Sorry. so funny because I have a one of my um, associates, shout out to Takia, she does not do pets at all, like at all, but she'll remove herself. I remember Sarah Haynes from The View um, has a lot of chihuahuas and she said when she first started dating her husband, she was like, the chihuahuas don't leave the bed. Oh. Like as a single woman, the chihuahuas, like it was like three of them that slept at the foot of the bed and she was like, they're not leaving the bed. I think there, there's pluses and minuses. You can love and respect your pet. Um, I know my sister, I, now that I think about it, my mom is not a fan of my sister's cat for whatever reason. My sister's cat is the most gentle being ever. But my sister went off on my mom <laughs> and told her, Uh-oh. this is his house. You're visiting. Like, you need to relax because my mom can be a bit okay. dramatic. So it's like, you need to relax. This is his house. This is our house. Yeah. Bring it on down. You're at a 10. Bring it to a 2. Because my mom was doing a lot during that trip. This was in New York. <laughs> so I think that it matters on, on, on the pet owner because... Because the pet owner knows their pet. You know if your dog is invasive and excited. And you might find it cute, but others might not. Yeah. And I also think, especially with L.A., people bring their dogs everywhere. I've seen dogs at Target, at Cheesecake oh, Factory. Everywhere. There was a dog. I thought this woman had her baby the other day in Target. She had her big golden doodle no. in the car. And it was not like a small pet 
dog. And it was a dog. There's a time and a place for everything. And I think that sometimes we maybe need to redirect this to the owners because I did see a TikTok floating around of a woman who brought her dog into a Starbucks. And when she was in line waiting to order, the dog relieved itself Uh-oh. doing a number two. And do you know that she did nothing but grab a few Starbucks napkins and throw it on top of that and kept no. ordering and walked away? She didn't even clean it up. So see, sometimes you need to the be dogs need to train their owners. Okay, see, and to that point, absolutely. I feel like you can get away with saying anything, but also you kind of have to remember if you're going into the dog's space, like their home, Yeah, it's kind of on you, babe. You got to be cool. All right, it's time for a little What's Poppin', and we've got the list of 2023 nominees in both film and television. However, sadly, it's lacking in LGBTQ plus representation. Shar, who do we have that are the queer nominees for 2023 Golden Globes? Oh, my goodness. There, okay, so listen, there's a handful. They have LGBTQ inclusive content, like one of my favorite movies of the year, which, I, okay, hold on. Michaela, I know you don't watch a lot of TV, but do you watch movies? Sometimes. Have you Sometimes. seen? Have you have have you seen everything, everywhere, all at once? No, I haven't. Oh and I heard it was so good. Gosh, it is such a it's mind so freak, and it just it, it has a queer theme, like the daughter is, and and it and it really just uh, it, it it reminds you how your life can be altered by even the most mi- oh. minor decision. You and making a left reminds, instead of a right. Okay, it kind of reminds me of the movie. What is it? Sliding Doors. Yes, I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, okay, though. Okay, it's basically that. You follow her two journeys, Gwyneth Paltrow's two journeys, of if she would have missed the train, if she got on the train. It shows you the two, were, and it's crazy. Well, in the 27 categories that were announced yesterday morning, there were a grand total of four out nominees. Like, you know, you have to always emphasize out. And that's Jeremy Pope picked up a Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama nomination for his role in The Inspection, which is a... That movie, it stars Gabrielle Union and Jeremy Pope. It is traumatizing, but it's based on a true story, and it is wild. I went to a screening of it, so check that out if you haven't. But also, non-binary actor actor Emma Darcy was nominated Best Actress in a Television Series Drama for House of Dragon, which I've never... Are you a Game of Thrones girl? I am! See, I'm not. I am, but I did not watch House of Dragon. Okay, I heard good things about it. And I didn't watch House of Dragon because I didn't hear a lot of great things about it, and you really have to, like... Dive in deep, honey. Those are like yes. hour-long programming, uh, and it's I intense. Heard. There's also Nisi Nash, who's up for Best yes. Supporting Actress in a Limited Series for Dahmer, the monster Jeffrey amazing. Dahmer. She was amazing. And I really like that Ryan Murphy, even though I have my beef with the Jeffrey Dahmer, you know Ryan Murphy is turning monster into an anthology series. So I don't know what anthology means. Next series, th- that means the next there will be a, a next season, and it'll be like Monster, Michaela Gordon, and then like the your oh my crazy God, I'm story. I'm getting my own show, bitch. <laughs> so it's gonna call me what you will, honey. It's gonna unfold like that. So I wonder who oh, the next great. killer will be. He's so smart. I do enjoy Ryan Murphy's storytelling, even though I do have beef with the way in which he did uh, some of Dahmer's and, and with the families, and then uh, Hannah. I'm Bender from Hacks, which is a show that oh, I love Hacks. on HBO. Yes. She is up for Best Supporting Actress in a Musical Comedy Drama Series. And so, like I said, you know, out of 27 categories, there were four people. But, you know, it's... I, 
what I can appreciate is is it's one of those things where we I feel like we can't really pipe up about this because it's based on performance and merit. Right. You can't say, oh, because this person is trans or because this person's a lesbian, they deserve a nomination. Right. So I think everyone should calm down who has a who has who might have an issue. I hear that perspective. And it's subjective, but it's really rooted in performance and merit, I would say. I will say though, Trace Lissette made a, a big announcement yesterday. For her movie Monica, she was devastated. They had just missed the deadline. the deadline to be nominated for a Golden Globe. Wow. And she said that the two women that she interviewed with, uh, Anna, whatever, Anna Diarnis, who played Marilyn Monroe uh-huh. in Blonde, uh-huh. and another woman, both got nominated for a Golden Globe. She said, I'm, I'm almost positive I would have been nominated for a Golden Globe, and I'm really sad today, but it's okay. It'll be out in theaters next year. Yeah, I'm hearing way, rave reviews about that. Yeah, I know that it looks Trace, incredible. Trace got an 11-minute standing ovation at the Venice uh-huh. uh, Film Festival. Yeah. So, but that's what's going on with the Golden Globes. I will be tuning in because of Gerard Carmichael. And, I mean, that's that. We got four nominations. I've seen all of these except for House of Dragon. And it's exciting. Well, let's go, baby. Tell me something good. All right, this is one of my favorite segments. It's the perfect way to send you off into your day with a little tell me something good. And I love this story. So former Major League Baseball pitcher TJ House, who played for Cleveland and the Blue Jays, has not only come out as gay, but he announced his engagement to his boyfriend, Ryan Neitzel. The baseball star cited the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act as the impetus for his public announcement. He said, I've struggled my entire life with being comfortable in my own skin. I've purposefully distanced myself from people for the sake of trying to protect myself. It's disheartening how one simple thing can change an individual's opinion of you in a matter of seconds. It has taken me years to wake up every morning and tell myself that you are loved, the ones that deep down inside of you uh, that you've never truly let out. I'm ready to let out now. And um, I love this. It's a photo of him and his boyfriend. But why I think it's really important is we've seen so much toxic masculinity mm-hmm. in sports. Mm-hmm. And so every time a sports player comes out and normalizes being gay, an angel gets his wings. I believe so, too. I believe so, too. And hopefully it'll change the conversation because there's still a lot of risk that comes with being a a pro athlete or not even a pro athlete. You could be down to the softball team, Mm -hmm. you know, at the elementary school. Well, those are lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm I'm saying there's still, you know. Yeah. mm, Yeah. That's a lot. Congrats to him, though. Congrats to him. TJ House. All right, what do you got for us? So Gerard Carmichael, who had one of the most profound comedy specials of the year, if you ask me, um, will be hosting the Golden Globes, which I'm very excited. I think this is the Golden Globes return to TV, because remember, they were snatched off. They were removed for some diversity things. You know, they had some issues. But Gerard is an Emmy winner, I should mention, and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association announced in a statement just last week that Gerard Carmichael, who is openly gay, will host the 80th annual Golden Globes, which will air on NBC and Peacock on Tuesday, January the 10th at 8 p.m. It's very exciting. I think Gerard will do a great job. He did a pretty decent job when he did Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And so I forgot who normally does the Golden Globes because it's it's Tina Fey and Amy Poehler that does the Emmys. Or is it the Globes? No, they do the Globes. I think it's the Globes. Yeah, they traditionally did the Globes. You're right. And they were funny. Yeah, they were funny. So Gerard... I'm pretty sure he has a pretty healthy writer's room. Yes. And, it's going to be good. And he's good at delivering jokes. Yeah. So congratulations to him because that is huge. What huge. An, would you ever host a, an award show if they asked you to? 
I think I would. You could totally do but it. But I would do it more as a comedian, not as yes. a host. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't take it that seriously. Because you are funny. Thank you. See, I don't think I could host an award show. Why? I think you could. Oh, my gosh. You could. Why? Well, I could, if I had good Tracy Ellis Ross costume changes. Yes. You know? Um, and I yes. could deliver a joke or two, I think. But there's just so much pressure. Could you yeah. imagine the no, day that they say, Michaela Gordon, can you host the Oscars this year? Honey, I'd be trying to win the Oscar. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to host this. And I'm also trying to win. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you stick around for Love Line today. We're talking New Year projections on relationships. We have a great show for you tomorrow with Red, White, and Q. Make sure you take care of yourselves and me and Shar. We'll see you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 